everyone, welcome to Bookversations. We're your hosts, Sayed. And I'm Mahmouda. Join us as we have conversations inspired by books. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Bookversations. Today we're introducing a new segment based off of the feedback that we had during Ramadan. Alhamdulillah, loads of people really enjoyed the episode on Accepted Whispers. From now on, we'll be doing a monthly episode based on Islamic books. We always welcome your feedback, so whatever else that you'd like to see on Bookversations, please do email us and we're excited to bring you content that you love and that you enjoy. This episode's conversation is inspired by in the early hours a book about spiritual development is split into i think eight chapters and the first chapter covers the process before you actually undertake the journey of spiritual development and then he further breaks it down into your relationship with god and so remembrance of god your prayer and so on basically it touches on every single aspect of our lives and it's a very practical book share my overall thoughts about the book and i'll pass on to mahmuda to share her thoughts on the book so I've had this book for a couple of years now, I think since secondary of uni, so about six, seven years. And I found that it's a book that I would normally return to. It's quite short, but it's very comprehensive and also very practical. So it's something that you would definitely go back to at different points in your life, especially because I feel like purifying yourself when it comes to like spiritual spirituality is a, it's a journey. And there are times where you'd feel like you're on a high and you're, you're doing well, your iman is fine and you're praying and so on. And there are times where you need that little boost or push. And I think this book is really good for something like that. I really loved the first chapter because he takes you from like the point where he's like, go and purify yourself, like the physical purification of making wudu and praying just to set your intention right. And we know how important intentions are in Islam. And I love that you start the book already, like reading the book, in itself the beginning of the spiritual purification journey basically and I love that go on Mahmouda what did you think yeah I share the same opinions as you it's definitely a book that you come back to over and over again at different stages of your life because I think I first bought it when I was in sixth form or towards my gap year over the past couple of years I find myself going back to it again and again I think what's really good about the book is it's quite accessible. I think sometimes with some Islamic books, it's technical in a way that you have to spend loads of time understanding it. And that's not necessarily a problem. But I think with this, it's accessible in that you understand the principles, the explanations as you're reading it. And immediately you're thinking to yourself, how do I apply How do I apply it to my life? So in that way, it's very transformative. Even for teenagers, I would actually advise for people to read this book from a young age as opposed to That's true. an adult. That is true. I mean, the title kind of speaks for itself in terms of making the best use of our early hours. So not just physical day sense, because the book talks about our, our morning routine and how we can optimize it. But I think metaphorically, when you think about it, it's also about making use of our early hours in terms of our youth. So especially mm-hmm. our youth is before we're 40. And I think sometimes when we don't have the right kind of guidance from early on, it becomes easy not to use that that time in the best ways. So I would, de- yeah, I would definitely recommend it for teenagers as well. Cool. So let's get on to our main discussion of the book. Before we get on to like our biggest takeaways, just to give a brief foundation about the book. So in the early hours, the first chapter kind of lays the foundation of what the book is about, which is around Tazkia self-purification the main things that the book emphasizes is the prerequisite of Tazkia is personal responsibility genuine effort sustaining willpower reliance on Allah tawakkul and making the best use of our time and then 
it goes on to explaining what our ultimate goal in life should be. And I think what I really liked in this first chapter is there's a lot of references to the Quran and the different ways that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us that this life isn't our ultimate goal and we have another life in the hereafter that we should be striving towards. So with that, what were some of your biggest takeaways from reading the book, Swad? From reading this first chapter? Uh, I think the first one for me was the one on purpose. It really hit home because it talks about it a lot. And you know how like there's so many verses in the Quran where Allah always where Allah says like this life is only a temporary life or it's just for play. And I think it's very important to kind of center yourself or center your focus on what your purpose is. Mm. I also love that with knowing what your purpose is, it helps with setting goals in the sense that when you kind of know what you're aiming for, which is the pleasure of Allah, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Then when you set goals or when you make decisions in the big things and in the small things, you're hopefully conscious of the fact that at the end of the day, what matters is pleasing Allah. And so if there's going to be a goal that might require you to, or require, that might lead to you doing something that's not pleasing to Allah, or that might lead to you you doing something that compromises compromises your principles, then you would always have like this focus of Allah's pleasure is first and foremost and everything else comes afterwards. So I really liked that. I also loved that he said, I mean, he did say Jannah, but then Allah's pleasure was like above. Yeah. And then Jannah, because I think about how we were raised and how we were taught to pray, just pray because you don't want to go to hell and how we should not, how we should not be performing acts of worship based on fear. But because we want to, we want a lot our creator to be pleased with us and we want to form a relationship with him. Yeah. And I think when you're aiming for something like that, when you're aiming for Allah's pleasure, it makes acts of worship relatively easier to do because it's more something you look forward to as opposed to something you're doing just because you want to tick a box. And that in itself makes the experience enjoyable. So I really liked that that was like the focus in the beginning of the first chapter. And I love the ayah that he mentions um, from Surah Shams that successful indeed is the one who purifies his whole self because I feel like it's sometimes life gets in the way and we might forget about what the ultimate goal is but that process of self-purification of tasqiyah and constantly taking care of your heart and purifying Mm -hmm. yourself is something we should be conscious about all the time. I agree I was thinking about this in relation to my PMDD I mean not entirely related but probably is I was thinking about how like I had one of my worst episodes this year in April Mm -hmm. where I had like two and a half weeks straight where I couldn't do anything but eat sleep go for walks and pray and I kept thinking about the fact that if praying wasn't compulsory I don't know what I would have done with myself and I would have probably been in a much worse place than I was even though I was already in a bad place and I just I couldn't do anything and I had zero motivation I was just in a different headspace but one thing I continued to do was pray on time. And I just kept thinking about how if we didn't, if I didn't have to pray, first of all, the, I would have been in a bad place just in the mental sense, but also like then the question of what gives you the will to keep living comes to mind, mm. right? And the prayer, even though I'm just doing it on like what kind of on surface level, it's still a remind, a constant reminder that there is something out there that's bigger than me yeah. and it's a law. And it also gives me hope, right? Because I'm praying to God and I know that this will pass at some point in life. Mm. Um, so I get what you mean by how life can get in the way and we need to always remember the ultimate goal and the ultimate purpose is in Allah. Allah is such a powerful anchor. Like, it's so funny and this is so bad to admit, but sometimes, you know, when my prayer is about to start, I'm like, oh, I'm about to be on holiday. <laughs> but then like halfway through my prayer, I'm like, okay, can this period go now? Because I actually want to pray again. And you miss it, right? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. You truly value what you have when you don't 
like when you can't do it anymore sometimes you don't understand the magnitude of the blessing that you have until you no longer have it in your life and I think Salah is one of those ones where once you taste the sweetness of it it's something that you will always desire powerful anchor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us but yeah I think what you said is so important for mental health in general because sometimes like when you are struggling in your day-to-day life that tends to affect your spirituality so what you said about still praying on time summoning up energy for everything else but you're still coming to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there's great reward in that what was your biggest takeaway or what was one of your biggest takeaways? one of the analogies that I really like because I feel like this book helps you to paint a really good picture about the concept that he's explaining so one of the analogies that I like that he mentioned he said the one who is unsure of his destiny in life torn between this world and the next is like the one standing with his feet in two separate boats will be thrown off balance so that idea of because one of the one of the really powerful ayahs that I find in the Quran where Allah subhanahu talks about there are people who ask just of this world, which kind of leads to the context of the dua of Rabbana Atina fi dunya hasanatan wa Like there are people who ask just of this world and they are content with that. But then there are people who realize that you can have the best of both worlds. You can have goodness in this world and also goodness in the hereafter. But it's about like in that process, you're you're prioritizing the hereafter. And I think this image of if you if you have your feet in both boats, you eventually be thrown off balance. Like if you're in a way, it's weird, isn't it? Because now it almost sounds contradictory. But (laughs) I think it makes sense in the sense that if you're focused, if you focus on the akhirah, inevitably your dunya is going to be good. Yes, that's it. Much better explanation. (laughs) I know. I was like, oh, now the image. No, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Well, I was going to say, because when you focus on the Akhira, you have a goal and that kind of influences the decisions that you make in the dunya. Mm. However, when you're not sure what your goal is in the bigger sense of the Akhira, then you're kind of like, you're wandering with no direction, and which is also the same as standing in two separate boats. Mm. Yeah. It's like, oh, sometimes I'll choose the world. Sometimes I'll choose Allah. Sometimes I'll choose the world. Sometimes I'll choose Allah. And then eventually you find yourself in an ocean that you don't want to be in. Whereas, like you said, if you do choose the hereafter, you will eventually you will get a part of this world as well like that's the last promise so yeah that's one of my that's one of my biggest takeaways what about yourself what else like stood out to you in the first chapter he talks about self-awareness and I keep thinking about this because I feel like self-awareness is a quality that's so important to have and it kind of it influences not just your spiritual life but every single aspect of your life Mm -hmm. you only grow as a person for example if you're aware of the kind of person that you are I don't think I've thought about deeply how much of an importance Islam actually places on self-awareness mm. because Islam like obviously one of the biggest parts of Islam is seeking knowledge you seek knowledge so that you can better yourself you seek knowledge and then you act on the knowledge and part of the knowledge that you seek would be knowledge that influences the person that you are I love that he kept emphasizing knowing the kind of person that you are and knowing the kind of person you want to become because you can only well, you can set goals to you can only set goals if you kind of know where you're headed, where you're going. And I loved how he talked about knowing this now, knowing that you want to set this goal. You put your mind to saying, I want to spiritually purify myself. And it's a journey. It's going to take time and it's going to be continuous. Knowing all of this, how do you allow it to shape the kind of decisions that you make in the small things and in the big things? And I think that was something that stood out to me, particularly self-awareness. Just how, how I also feel like we don't talk, maybe we do talk about it, but we don't focus on it enough, in my opinion. I was I attended a lecture a couple of weeks ago and there was a conversation about self-awareness. And I think someone said something that made it, that kind of came across as like, 
it takes too much time to sit down and be asking yourself questions of yourself. But then it's also work that I personally believe is worth it. Because the better you know yourself, then the more you are to be clear in your principles and the less likely you are to just do things on the whim or for the sake of doing things. It's like, I'm not the kind of person I am. If someone says, oh, Suad, let's go out tomorrow morning. No, let's go out tonight at 10. And you're like, okay, I know the kind of person I am. I would struggle to wake up in the morning for Fajr. Then I'd be like, okay, this is my priority. So I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're someone who doesn't know the kind of person that you are, or you've chosen to just not pay attention to that part of yourself, then you're going to make decisions that just fulfill your desires or just follow what other people I don't know, have in mind for you as opposed yeah. to like what you want for yourself. Exactly. And I think about that, sorry, and I think about that in terms of like how in the little things, like when you're looking for a spouse, for example, and all different people will always have different advice. Oh, are you covering enough or you're not covering too much? Or are you showing this and you're not showing that? And you need to know yourself and like know what's important to you, which is A, and first and foremost, your relationship with Allah. Yeah. And that, again, guides the kind of decisions that you make. And even if this thing is a struggle, maybe it's getting a new job, you would always stay grounded in your principles because you know the kind of person that you are and you know what you're aiming for. Basically. Yeah. So I like it's that. so interesting because sometimes there are things in life that take time. And you're like, oh, it takes too much time, so I'm not going to do it. But then you realize the cost of it later on is actually far grander than the time that you could have dedicated towards it. So self-awareness is one of those ones that when you, do, when you don't have it or you're not practicing it consistently, you eventually pay the cost. Because one, it's almost like you're going through life without any awareness of how to get better. What are the implications of my actions? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What consequences do my actions have? Like, make the same mistakes. Exactly. So I can't imagine even being like, I'm just going to be oblivious to what I'm doing and not be self-aware. It's not a productive way to live. I think what you were saying about being able to override the nerfs, that's one of, that's self-awareness is one of the biggest ways that you can do that. Because then I think eventually you become conscious of, oh, this is like my lower desire speaking. And then this is what my higher self wants. And then that's when you can start mm-hmm. to do the hard what? I, I I feel you because I was I don't know if I was reading Quran or something else, but there was a specific verse about like how in the moment the ones I think was actually I think it might be in the Quran, but how the ones who believe are the ones who like they know they know how difficult it is yeah. to choose the action over the nafs but they do it anyway because they know how much it pays off and i think about how sometimes when prayer time comes in and you're doing something and you're like oh god it's time for prayer i mean you want to pray but you're still like oh god it's time for prayer but then once you taste the sweetness of the prayer you're like oh i can't believe this is the thing i was just thinking about to myself like oh my god i wasn't even excited something i should have been excited for now that i see how amazing it is so it is interesting that you mentioned because the only way to grow is to constantly like look within and of course it's not an easy process it's not an easy process no, it's hard yeah exactly it hard. it's not it really is not which is why it is important but sometimes you have to face the ugly side of yourself as well sometimes you will do ridiculous things or you would do and say hurtful things or just things that are just not okay and you need to accept that okay in that moment I was the one who was in the wrong who was toxic how can I do differently next time yes it's that question of how can I do differently next time because I think that's what Tauba is about as well isn't it it's like yes you've Mm -hmm. made a mistake yes you've sinned you've transgressed but thinking like you repent a lot and then there's that consciousness of if the situation happens again, how do I make sure that it's going to be different and I'm not going to be repeating the same mistakes? Mm-hmm. And even if it does mm-hmm. happen, that you're just constantly being like, okay, I'm going to shift the needle a little bit, shift the needle a little bit until 
I get to where I need to be, inshallah. So yeah, inshallah. on the concept of um, just change in general and what we're talking about overriding your nafs, like your lowest, your lowest self. The other section that I really liked in the book was where he was talking about the concept of irada. I was just going to say that perfect. Girl. I'll just say the quote. So it says the Quran explains that one of the basic weaknesses in human nature, which impedes self-development is the weakness of will. What do you think about that? When I read that, I think I highlighted it because I thought, wow, mm. it is so true. And I say that because I think about how like sometimes we don't, we do the bare minimum and we stop at the bare minimum. Yeah. Number one. Number two, you know how we always say, like I was talking to a friend actually a couple of weeks ago about, um, we're talking about patience and consistency and how these days we, a lot of people, it was a reference to someone that we need, but how a lot of people, you're like, oh, I've been, I've been working on this book or the song or whatever it is, this project for two years, and I haven't seen results, and like it's not working out, and that's the end of it. How some things we need to ask ourselves is, am I actually every day when I showed up for these two years, for example, did I come with my best self? Mm. Did I put in the actual amount, like the real energy, not the one where I mean, not the one where you showed up half-heartedly? Like, did I show up every day as I was supposed to, and was I consistent in my efforts? And I think the one thing that we just were talking about is that it's not and it's in terms of writing as well it's not like until the inspiration comes or when I feel like it right mm-hmm. so I'll pick up the Quran when I feel like it because there will be days where you don't feel like it but that would be what's best for your soul I see the weakness of all as literally almost the same thing as choosing what's better over your nafs now it's very difficult I personally think it's difficult to override the nafs because the nafs is about what you want right your desires like, and in your eyes this is the thing that's good for you right now so we literally and I, I feel like because I've had very vivid experiences like that where it's like a moment of actively saying no I will do this thing that's good for me yeah and in the long run you kind of you see the benefit and the thing about will is that the more you push yourself to override what you want and choose what you need, the, the easier it becomes, I think. But I, I genuinely agree with it because I feel like there are a lot of times where even in like little things where maybe you've just finished praying and you could pray your sinner, mm. right? But then you'd be like, oh, come be ask. And then you stand, stand up. But then all it takes is just maybe you pushing yourself for like one minute, but we don't even bother. We're just like, mm. oh, I think about it in terms of like the hajj. Yes, I know the hajj is difficult. But there's like little things that you could put in place. Like, okay, I'm going to wake up 20 minutes before Fajr. And what it takes is us, again, shifting our perspective. What is 20 minutes before Fajr, right? Yeah. Or if you don't want to do the Hajj, maybe as soon as you finish praying Shafi Witter, you could say, I'm just going to spend, pray, two rakahs doesn't take that long. Let me say five minutes top to do two rakahs of Qiyam layl So at least I know I've done that, right? Even if it's not the Hajj, it is Qiyam layl and that's also good, right? Yeah. And Again, it's more a battle of... I mean, there is a time where you have low Iman, but I think I personally, the majority of the time, it's not a thing of low Iman. It's a thing of literally going against your nafs, which wants to jump into bed and watch. Because when you jump into bed, for example, after Isha, you're not going to go to sleep immediately most of the time. Mm. You're going to scroll on social media for maybe 15, 20 minutes. It's in a reshaping your perspective on how you see these things. I think that's how you kind of develop will i guess yeah and that's kind of how you sustain it as well but i really loved that he mentioned it because it's it comes to play in a lot of the in a lot of like our spiritual acts basically especially the ones that are not compulsory 
Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I see. I just found a section in the book that is he defining irada as willpower? Because he says in the book, irada is very different from desire. You always hear people reflecting upon unfulfilled aspirations. One of the main reasons why aspirations and dreams remain unfulfilled is that they are no more than desires which fail to assume the status of irada. Um, and then he says to achieve the ultimate goal in life requires a sustained determination to do so, a willpower that is forever responsive and strong. In Quranic terminology, this is called irada. So I think he's kind of talking about willpower, the book. And I think what you are kind of like pointing to is how we can develop a willpower that responds to us, that's separate from desire, but trying or constantly trying to fight against our desires. And the example that you were, you were given about sunnah prayers is so true because it is like it is true. Sometimes you'll finish praying and now it's about to become a debate of should I pray sunnah or not? And I think it, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is instead, like, don't give time to the debate because more often than mm-hmm. not, if you give time mm-hmm. to debate, you might end up swaying to the other side. So once you feel your inclination, particularly towards something good, like just do it instantly, because once you give the time to it, it can go either way. That's true. Another point, I was, I was doing a halakha the other, the other day, and one of the sisters made such an important point, because we were talking about instant gratification and how subconsciously we don't realize how a lot of our language nowadays is around satisfying your desires instantly. So we're talking about stuff like Netflix binging, like when you order stuff from Amazon Prime, if it's not there on the day or the next day, you're like, where's my mm-hmm. stuff? Mm-hmm. Like all of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the sister made a reflection and she was talking about how it's funny how a lot of the times when it comes to our worldly desires, it's let's satisfy it now, let's satisfy it now, let's satisfy it now. But then when it comes to things about spirituality or things that consent a lot, whether that's Tawbah, whether that is other acts of worship that we might want to start, then it's all our delay until later. But that's actually like the hereafter is what we should not be delaying. And I think mm-hmm. like ever since I heard her say that, that's really planted in my mind. A lot of things I'll just be like, okay, no, I'll not delay it. Let me just do it now. Yeah. And I feel like you need those reminders. But you know how, like, with instant gratification, right, you see the reward immediately. Yes. And that's the thing about willpower. When it comes to matters of the deen, you don't, well, you don't quote-unquote see the reward. You do see it when you're consistent. And that's the thing as well. He said, it rather requires strength and consistency. Yeah. You see it when you do it for sustain, when you do things for sustained periods of time, you feel the difference in your life. Whereas with stuff like, obviously, Netflix and so on, oh, I've watched it. And in the moment, you feel satisfied. Yeah. But then again, when you're done, you're like, Anyways, but I always think about this also in terms of like how of the Prophet Salam and how he was trying to call the people of Mecca to Islam, right? And look at how long it took. He was kicked out, he lived in Medina, and then he came back and his people came to Islam. And I think about if this is the Prophet of God that took it took him this long, even with I mean God is on our side, but even with God on his side, yeah, this thing took him this long for him to achieve. And I think about it also in terms of the Quran. Allah revealed the Quran in stages for a reason. He could have sent it all in one day if he wanted to. But again, I guess it's just showing you that these things take time. Change takes time. Development takes time. Working on something to achieve a goal takes time. You just need to show up and always realize that all that's in your hands is the putting in the efforts. The outcome or the success of something is in the hands of Allah. Um, and I think that's something we need to constantly put at the forefront of our minds. I might not see the results right now, but I need to put in the effort and know that Allah will do like what's best in that sense. Mm-hmm. I really loved the conversation or like the topic of Iroda, and I love that he brought it up because especially because of the life we're living in right now and how difficult it is to sustain. And also like, I mean, 
I'm not blaming social media. Social media has its benefits. Yeah. But you know when you go on social media, you see how like someone has just done this thing and won this thing, but you don't see the behind the scenes. Mm. So in your mind, you're like, oh, look at how this person just got this done. But you don't know whether the person has been working on this thing for 10 years. Yeah. Or maybe they had a network that allowed that to be possible that you don't have, or they had this opportunity that you don't have that made that possible. And so it's also just something to bear in mind that it's very, very, it's impossible to completely compare yourself to someone else because there's so many other factors that influences what success how success manifests for the person and how success manifests manifests for you and just like choosing what is best in the moment for yourself always pays off so reminder to myself first yeah same honestly i think the other part of rather that links back to self-awareness and what i think is really beautiful about the quran is that there is acknowledgement of how forgetful that we can be as human beings so mm-hmm. it's that acknowledgement or like that awareness of our weaknesses and then how we can mitigate those weaknesses. And I think that's why it's so like Allah subhanahu wa does praise us when we when we override those like those lower base mm-hmm. desires because it is a part of us. It will be there. The hard work is in the process that we commit to, to mm-hmm. trying to make mm-hmm. sure that we are, yeah, like developing better willpower and that we are developing like willpower that's able to override our nerves or like our desires when they call us towards the things that that are not right yeah that section on irada is is really really powerful the next section is on reliance on allah and this whole i think it's like from page 12 to 15 i think i literally no from page 12 to 14 i highlighted every single line same same so the first part says self-confidence is born from the believer's intimate knowledge and understanding that allah is ever ready to assist those who strive and struggle in his way self-confidence comes from depending upon allah and knowing that he's there to help you protect you and shower his mercies upon you and then i think the part that we had on our page says um self-confidence also emanates from knowing that allah in his infinite mercy has equipped you with all that you require to undertake the task set before you it is not characteristic of the one that is most just and most merciful to prepare you for a task without equipping you with the necessary tools i found that very very like it was just a hit really well because sometimes you're about to go into a situation or you find yourself in a situation and you're like this is so hard then you just need to know that Allah will not put you in something without preparing you to be able to do that thing and I remember one day I think it was Hafsa someone she was reflecting on how sometimes we make dua for something but are we actually ready for it and I always think about that when I like pray for Allah make me this and make me that and like just think about when Allah puts me in a situation it's because he believes I'm ready to take on the task. He believes I can do it. And he's obviously going to support me. Like It's not by my will. It's by his support and his strength and his, and his mercy. But he's put me here because he thinks I can do it. Yeah. And so having that in mind and knowing, knowing that, you just need to exert your best effort in everything that you're doing, literally. And knowing that you're not in a situation except that Allah wants you to be in there. I feel like good journaling prompt is to think about like when it talks about Allah, Allah wouldn't give you something unless he has already given you the strength or like the character equipped you. Thinking about the the different strengths that Allah has given us because we're all so unique. Yes, we are. That's Characteristic, the attributes that we have. Some of us are gifted in, more, in one department than the other. And so it's thinking about Allah has created me uniquely and a lot. our confidence should come from that. Remembering that we are creations of Allah and whatever it is that we are facing in our lives, Allah has already given us the ability to be able to... Yeah, I agree. Uh, 
I was thinking about this in terms of my writing. I think about it actually. I think about this a lot. Yeah. Because I compare where I am right now to where I was in 2018 when I first when it's actually like fully going to write and graduate. And I I keep thinking about how there couldn't have been a more perfect time than now to be where I am in terms of like making the clear cut decision to go into writing full time or to choose writing first and foremost and then everything else comes secondary. Yeah. And I feel like I wasn't in, even though that's what I wanted in 2018, when I was praying for, I was not in the, I wasn't prepared to take on what would come with it. And so much has happened between that time and now that every time I think about it, I'm like, there couldn't have been a perfect time than now to be in this position. Part of the sweetness of things when you eventually achieve it is recognizing the journey that you've been on. I think it was in my coaching with Anissa. Shout out to Anissa. I'm going to link her below. Mashallah. It was with the, in that question that I realized one of the things that I value the most, sometimes it's not even the end result, it's the journey. There's so much joy that, and then it's like making sure that you're paying attention to the journey. Like there's so much joy that comes from the journey. Like you're saying, like with writing, like mashallah, I feel like it must be amazing for you seeing where you were two years ago and then looking at your writing now and seeing the leaps that you've made in it. That is satisfying in itself. I feel that with writing. One thing I value a lot about journaling, I journal a lot and I think journaling allows you to pay attention to the small things, what small, quite unquote small, but really just those gradual, beautiful changes that happen as you continue doing something. Because I feel like if, if for example, your end goal is to write a book, when you write a book and then what? I feel like it's not the same as enjoying, yes, writing is hard, but it's not the same thing as enjoying the little wins that come along the way up until you get to that point where you've written the book so um because otherwise you can get to your goal and then it's like you know that's why like there's a lot of conversation about why sometimes rich people or people who seem to have the world are unhappy and i think it's sometimes because we delay that feeling until we get the the big goal so to speak like so for example with the, and then you get the big goal and it's like okay yeah like you delay that feeling of joy until i'm gonna get a book deal and then you get a book deal and it's like okay now what <laughs> like you Whereas if you enjoy writing exactly it's continuous right because after the book deal you'll continue writing and you write another book and like what well, inshallah right or even if you don't get a book deal because you enjoy writing you still carry on writing I'm going to read on. So it says self-confidence is thus born of total reliance and trust in Allah. It is knowing that at every step of your journey, Allah is there assisting you. If you constantly hold yourself back, believing that you are weak and incapable and blame your incompetence on minor inadequacies, then you are bound to fail. You must never allow yourself to believe or feel that Allah has treated you unfairly or that he has placed upon you a burden that you cannot shoulder. For on no one soul, on, for on no soul does Allah place a burden greater than it can bear. Surah Baqarah. I also highlighted that part as well because I love it a lot. And I, one of my favorite names of Allah is Al-Jabbar. And one of the meanings of Al-Jabbar is that it, Allah completes you in the parts that you're lacking, basically. Um, and I love that a lot. For the people at the back. So Allah completes you in the parts that you're lacking so normally so when I submit my writing for a prize entry whatever or when I submit anything or for little things like when I apply for a job I used I always make dua with Al-Jabbar like I know that there will be parts that I'll be flawed or there will be parts that will show like where I'm not good enough and I want Allah to just fill up those gaps for me and cover it up for me yeah Allah yeah Jabbar is literally like one of my favorite names and I try to make that dua as much as I can in everything because we are human beings, right? Is we're never going to be perfect. Number one, number two. When you're doing stuff, the other person on the receiving end might not see it the way that you see it. So you probably would always have a flaw in the eyes of people, 
But when you have Al Jabbar on your side, then you're good. Yeah. Because it will show them the best spots for you. Exactly. And you don't have to worry about it's, it. That's powerful. It's like realizing the source of our confidence is from Allah. And so there's mm-hmm. no there's no reason for us to hold ourselves back. This reminds me of something. Yeah. One of my friends literally asked me the other day, she was like, Sad, how does how do you build confidence? I mean, she always teases me for the for things that I do. So for example, when she compliments me, I'm like, I know. I didn't say thank you first. I say I know, but I say I know. Maybe she would be like, "Oh, you look good in something, right?" And I say I know because Allah said in the Quran that He has created us in in the most beautiful form, right? And there's also that dua that you, when you see yourself in the mirror, you t- thank Allah for making you outside perfect, and it should make your inside as perfect as is made you outside. So for me, my confidence stems from the fact that the one that fashioned me has already told me I'm amazing. So then how can I not be amazing? That's why I said to her. And that's kind of like how I tend to navigate life. And I was explaining to her. So when you said confidence, I was like, oh, it was interesting because she had asked me a couple of weeks ago. And the first thing that came to mind was just, I'm only confident because of Allah. Like if not for Allah, I don't think I would have the kind of confidence that I do. But yeah, it is what you say about like knowing that the one who created us is behind us and he's equipped us and he's assisting us. And he's with us every single step of the way. Self-confidence comes from Allah. Preach, preach. Yeah. And then the last... It comes from knowing Allah. Yes. And having a relationship with him. I think someone... I don't know who wrote the book. Or maybe it's... I don't know if it's a book or a quote. But I remember some scholars said something like... The the knowledge of yourself comes from like knowing God. And when you know God, you know... How you know God is how well you know yourself, basically. And I think that is apt on point he who knows himself knows his lord i think that's it yeah i think yeah. that is it i forgot i think it's from ghazali imam ghazali yeah it sounds like something he'd say yeah yeah i think it's from him so yeah the section yeah, the section on reliance on allah tawakul and self-confidence in this first chapter is amazing is one of the one of the main reasons why you should definitely pick up this book and read it yourself so the next section in the book that was really good so he he talks about the best use of time and he makes mention of an advice from imam al-ghazali that i think is really important the advice says you should structure your time arrange your regular devotions and assign to each function a set period of time during which it is given first priority but which it does not overstep for if you abandon yourself to neglect and purposelessness as cattle do and just do anything that may occur to you at any time it happens to occur to you most of your time will be wasted your time is your life and your life is your capital it is the basis of your transactions with god and the means to attain to everlasting felicity in the proximity of god exalted each of your breath is a priceless jewel and when it passes away it never returns time is something i think about a lot i've obsessed with time a lot in my life and i still do sometimes but just the fact that he, the way he ends the quote is just each of your breath is, is a t- priceless jewel and when it passes away it never returns i remember having a conversation with someone very recently and they were asking him to like contribute to something that they were doing and they were like oh we don't have money to pay you it's just your time and i was like excuse you Ooh. money money can be repaid right money comes and goes money can be gained time once it's gone that is it it's precious so when i'm committing time to something bro like people should value yeah. that yeah like for me i was just like time counts a lot more than money to me money is money money does not belong to me i mean time also belongs to god but at least money would come when money comes right yeah time once you've lost it you're never gonna gain it back so it's not just my time it's a lot of my time but yeah so that just really hit me when he said it's a priceless jewel because i feel like sometimes we under we 
over-prioritize money and underestimate how important time is. Mm-hmm. Also, like what you were saying earlier about making sure that we plan our time and you don't just, you're not le- neglectful or you don't, you're not purposeless in the way that you approach time. Like, oh, whatever happens, I'll fit in. But actually being aware of like, what is that you need to be doing every day or what is that you'd like to be doing with your time every day? That's really important as well. Sum it all up. It's this idea of when we think about our model for self-purification and our model for self-development, there's no better example than the Prophet Sallallahu and like look into his life and look into his example. So I think that's, it's a, it's a powerful way to kind of anchor the book, like start with a reminder about the importance of self-purification and tazkiyah as stated in the Quran and then kind of ending the chapter with an emphasis on the Prophet Sallallahu being the model that we look up to and the model that we follow for our self-development. I've always felt like there's no better model. I mean, a lot of them told us in the Quran that there's no better person model to look to than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And I always love when books like this, when they use the Quran, but then they also always like give you, show you the practical. Like this is how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did it. This is how he did his life. And there's lots of resources about his life out there. And one that I remember the Productive Muslim, they eat on the website, the blog, they tended to have at some point like a lot of resources around like how the Prophet spent his time and this is what he did. And I can't think of anyone more productive than the Prophet. He got so much done on a daily basis. And nobody ever said, oh, he rushed when he talked to me or he didn't pay attention to me or ignored me. And he also accomplished so much in those 23 years. And on the concept of time, I also just think about how Allah spent, Allah gave him 40 years to prepare. Like Allah prepared him mm. for 40 years. So I think about how like, never, it's never too late to start something. Yes, you might, people people say the phrase a lot, like, oh, time is wasted, time is gone. But the fact that you, you have life and you're breathing is Allah saying, you have another chance today. I'm giving you an opportunity to make something of yourself, to prove yourself what your naysay is wrong. Like this is today, Make the most of it. So yeah, I think if there's anyone to look to, it's the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi And I love that he he did come back to that example of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now he lived his life. Let's get on to our favourite quotes from the book. So I, do you have any in particular that you want to start with? I'll start with the one you're going to say as well, because then it's a good segue. <laughs> because it's a good segue. So one of my favourite quotes is, Islam is a state of becoming, not a state of being. Each day you must strive to improve and better yourself and you will improve. I love that you will improve at the end because sometimes we forget that we, when people say strive and do something, it sounds like something that's difficult to do, but then you don't realize that it is when you do strive that you do get to see the improvements, that you do get to see like the rewards of your striving. And it's inevitable. Like it's a promise from God. You show up and he's going to show up for you. Yes. Um, so Another quote. you're just you're just dropping quotes right left and center today okay it's all right <laughs> um yeah no i i really honestly like that statement is so powerful islam is a state of becoming not a state of being because like you said earlier it's about not being discouraged that like you won't get to where you want to be but also being aware that there'll never be a point where you're like I've done it perfect. I'm now a perfect Muslim. The whole point of Islam is that we're constantly on this journey till our very last breath. And it's, it's shaitan's trap for you to either think, oh, I'm now a perfect Muslim or to think that I have no hope of starting the journey of, or getting closer to Allah. So it's keeping in mind that the effort is the continuing process. We're not people that fall into 
despair about our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're people who recognize that we have a chance with Allah until our last breath. And I think on that note as well, what I really liked from the book is this concept about change being a gradual process. It's not something that happens overnight. So when we think about the Quran and the fact that the Quran was revealed over a period of 23 years and how literally Allah, it's amazing because Allah was in charge of the tasqiyah, the purification process of the Sahaba and the companions through the way the Quran was revealed to prime them to be the kind of Muslim that they were. And I was kind of saying, you know, sometimes you want to you do something and it seems daunting or you want to, you want to incorporate something and it feels really hard at the beginning. One thing that I try to do is if I'm really struggling with something or if I'm trying to do it and it's not working out, I always just start with intention. So when I wanted to change the way that I was wearing my hijab, because when, when I was in sixth form, because I loved hoop earrings, I used to wear my hijab. So like it would show my hoop earrings. And I love like, I love jewelry. I love my necklaces. I love my earrings. I wanted to get to a point where I could cover it up in a way that was pleasing to Allah. And even though at the beginning, I still hadn't like, summed up the will to do it. But I would, every time I would tie my hijab, I would like make the intention for Allah to make it easy. And then eventually you just find yourself doing it. I swear, I don't think it even took, I think it was in the space of a year or a year and a half. And I just started wearing it in a way that, that I felt better in. And even now, I wouldn't say my hijab is perfect. So it's that reminder of whatever stage that we're in, in our religion, like there's always a higher step. And even if you're not on the highest step yet, that you're at least making the intention or you're thinking to yourself, what's the closest thing to it? Because you were mentioning like the hajjad earlier. I remember seeing on Facebook about how Salat al-Duha, which is a two-raka salah that you pray before Duhur, after the sun rises till the time of the whole I think it's like 30 minutes or so if you're struggling with the hajjad in terms of like waking up earlier before fajr then during the day you're awake anyway you can do salat al duha so it's that it's that mindset of it's not either or because i think sometimes we fall into that trap of oh i can't do xyz so then that means i don't even do something that's close to it or something that's near to it so yeah it's like intention and thinking of what's closest to where i want to be and how can i build Mm -hmm. on it inshallah Mm -hmm. think about it in terms of ramadan as well like oh i can't pray eight rakas of tarawee for one reason or another but that doesn't mean that you can't pray two because it's Mm -hmm. no one feel like the day right it's a it's a sunnah so you could just pray two and that counts just mm-hmm. make the intention and maybe next year you pray four and who knows yeah. in five years time you might be praying the eight um, exactly there's no rush there was someone in the halakha that mentioned that each year she adds a sunnah prayer to her routine and i found that so powerful because if she understands herself and she's instead of saying oh i'm really struggling with sunnah prayers it's just each year she she's building on it inshallah let's say in five years it's become a routine praying 12 sunnah mm-hmm. prayers that kind of attitude of we're constantly growing and we're, we're constantly trying to exert effort in our relationship with allah yeah, I love that. Love it. I just think about like how it helps me in terms of like reading the Quran. So you know how they say I'll read the Quran every day. Yeah. Um, and you know when you come off like a Ramadan high, like I want to read the Quran every single day, just many chapters. Mm. But then one thing I try to do is have like a bare minimum I have to read, and mm. then like a normal minimum, and then an ideal. So my ideal was I think it was like ten pages a day would be nice to do read after Fajr. But I know that there will be days, especially with like my PMS, all of us, but also like with Iman in general, that there will be days where ten is a stretch right mm-hmm. so the minimum is five and then like the bare minimum is two pages literally just that one sheet of the Quran. and i think it helps a lot to have that bare minimum mm-hmm. because then it's not a thing of i'm not doing it at all at least i'm doing this one right this one and when you do those two pages for a couple of days and maybe you will get the strength back to go back to five pages again yeah. 
um even if you say i'm only going to do two verses today that's it and then maybe tomorrow you or next week or next month you say i'm going to up it by two and do four verses every day and but it's literally as you said the thing of like not just saying it's either i do this or i don't even do it at Mm -hmm. all but like how can I take the tiniest step? Because the tiny steps, they do build up eventually to become something bigger. Zero doesn't add up to anything. But it zero. really does. I'm telling you, like even learning Spanish on Duolingo, I only do it for five minutes a day, but in that five minutes, like I'm learning new words. So mm. there's, value. Mm-hmm. there's value in the things that we do. That's like little by little. Is. What's another Great. quote that you loved from the book? It's on time. So it says, your time is your life and your life is your capital. It is the basis of your transactions and the means to attain everlasting felicity in the proximity of God the exalted. I love that one too. I, I only had two. So this is my final one. Your company also includes your mental and psychological company. The ideas you entertain, the ambitions you nurture, the sensitivities and sensibilities you develop and the books you read. All of these represent a form of company because they are your companions in solitude. I love this especially in these times mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I loved it a lot because I think about how people are like oh I don't hang out with anyone or like oh my, my circle of friends uh, whatever whatever but then when you look at the kind of shows that you watch mm. they sit in your mind and they influence the way that you think and the way that you approach the world and so on Um, so I, I agree I'm trying to stop watching Housewives nowadays because I realise how angry they make me and how point you know this is why they say you should never make fun of people because I used to make fun of people who would watch Real Housewives and then okay. I think last and year I got them <laughs> Last year, I got really invested oh in the drama. And this year, it's like Allah's like removed the shield from my eyes because I'm like, it's literally engineered to make you angry. Like sometimes you're watching, like it's not, like you know, sometimes you, then you go back and carry on watching. Huh? Even though you're angry. I said you go back and carry on watching, even though you're angry. No, it's more recently that it's, that it's made me angry. Like last ah, okay. year, it was kind of, you were engaged in it because it, it seemed frivolous and it, it was. Mm-hmm. it was interesting mm-hmm. or you were curious about it but this year basically the, there's <laughs> not that many characters to watch it there's a black woman in there the one that i watch anyway there's a black woman in the midst of six white women and it's just frustrating oh, to see how they gaslight her all the time and i'm like this is supposed oh to be God. a frivolous show but then i'm finding myself constantly triggered by it anyway and the intensity of wow. the conversation online is just yeah it's not worth it so yes i need to i need to do a audit on my mental and psychological company <laughs> No more housewives. I'm, I'm done. Uh, you'll make it easy for me. I mean, <laughs> I can't believe I'm making it all about housewives. Make it all about everything. Everything. There everything. we are. There we are. But yeah, no, it's a really important quote. And even the books that you read, like the best books that you read, stay with you for such a long time. Mm-hmm. I find myself randomly thinking about Antos of the Savannah all the time. So yeah, I love that. It book. makes a difference. Mm-hmm. For sure. I find myself thinking about Transcendent Kingdom a lot. I really love that book. Excellent, excellent book. Do you want to go through the rest of your quotes? I think I'll only do two. So one of my favorite quotes is the verse from the Quran, which is remember me and I'll remember you. I just, I love it a lot. I mean, it is obviously as reminiscent of SJJ, Uh but I just remember me journal. But I actually just love how Allah like addresses us and says, you need to take the step. You just, that's all you need to do. Just take the step. Remember me. And I'm always here waiting to remember you. That's it. My other one is this da, which is, Oh Allah, I ask for a faith that will never vanish, a blessing that will never diminish, a pleasure that will never abate, and the most elevated position in paradise, distinguished by the companionship of your messenger, Muhammad And I just think it's such a beautiful mm-hmm. da. I mean, I really like I it. love it. That's a good place to end our discussion of the first book. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like the Islamic book elements are not necessarily reviews. It's more discussions of lessons and takeaways and practicality 
studies etc so yeah I mean a lot allow us to benefit from the knowledge that we're gaining I mean what's the latest book that you're reading I literally just finished reading a book called It's a Memoir by yeah. um, Ashley C. Ford. It's called Somebody's Daughter. It was really, t- so you know, I only read what I mainly read dark stuff. So it was I really know, sad. Um, but you know what's interesting? Remember, I, I just told you about this, my novel. I signed up for a class on writing happiness because I was like, I want Good. that book to have lots of happy <laughs> lots of happy scenes in them. And I need to know how to write this because all I write is yeah. Stuff yeah but it's really really deep and it, i would recommend it because of the way that she writes especially but it's just the way that the empathy and compassion in which she writes even the people that really hurt her interesting but i really enjoyed reading that and it caused me to it made me think about a lot of stuff i still think about it from time to time i finished it yesterday morning and i was thinking a lot about like shame mm-hmm. and how the kind of shame that's attached to our bodies as as women and i'm about to choose between reading when we see ourselves a book by someone called jenna matambu Mm-hmm. and just as i am by cecilia tyson i will choose one at some point in life what are you reading Sounds good i just finished reading emma dabry's don't touch my hair and i'm about Ooh, to start reading. it was really really good out of five or four that's, oh, that's good it was good it was good definitely worth it and i started reading the bookkeeper of Aleppo that you recommended so <gasps> Ooh, how are you finding it so far I only, i've only read like the first chapter but i really like i really like the writing style so same i love the writing style so i can't wait to hear your thoughts about it actually. beautiful that's the end of today's show thank you for joining us on this episode of book Stations. we hope you've gained benefit from the discussion if you've enjoyed the episode remember to like review comment and share it with friends and family book Stations is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, and several other platforms. Email us your thoughts at bookforsationspod at gmail.com and let us know what books you want us to check out. Till next time. Remember to read.